So what kind of production do we expect from the Minnesota Vikings rookies? Let's do some over-unders and the rest of your mailbag questions on the Lockdown Vikings podcast. You liked it on three, one, two, three, you liked it! You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, your pal, in the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. Thank you so much for making the Locked On Vikings podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the show wherever you listen to fine audio podcasts. You can also find the show on YouTube or maybe even Amazon Fire or Roku. Just download the Locked On Minnesota Sports app. You can get this show in all of the Minnesota sports offerings from the Locked On Network. Again, a, a huge shout out to my hashtag everydayers, people who uh, listen to this show every single day. I appreciate you uh, so much, so very much. And I also appreciate all of you who asked me some questions. I know it's uh, it's kind of the dead period, although OTAs do kick up, which is pretty fun. We'll talk about those if anything interesting happens in them. Uh, but for now, it's Twitter Tuesday. That means I am answering your questions that you sent to me. You can always send me a question on Twitter at LukeBronNFL or at LockedOnVikings. You can also uh, send me a question via email. Uh, to LockdownVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. You can fill out the Google form, which is linked in the show notes, or leave a YouTube comment. I'll probably see that as well. And the first question that I'm going to answer, bless you, Casey Kules, for giving me such great clickbait. <laughs> such, a, such a great topic that I'm sure people will want to listen to. A bunch of over-unders for a few rookies. Uh, so I'm going to go through this whole... Usually I don't do big lists by this, but you know what? It's May. The mailbag's a little light. We got time. Let's do the uh, a little over-under game. And the first one is Jordan Addison over-under 800 receiving yards. <sighs> That's a lot. 800 for a rookie is a lot. Um, I think the wealth may be spread a little bit more thin here. Uh, I think Justin Jefferson's production is going to go down. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, because hopefully it means that the Vikings have other options, right? That they're not just funneling it through like only JJ. That's a lot easier to defend. Um, I'm going to take the under, I think. I There's just too much of a chance that it takes a few weeks for him to get going, that maybe there are games where the Vikings want to run the ball more and so they want to use KJ Osborne more. Um, 800 yards would be a really good outcome. I'd be really happy with that. I, I would probably be happy with, you know, six or seven hundred. As long as he's getting in, he's contributing, he's something. Um, you know, he doesn't have to completely explode his, for 1,400 his rookie year and do Justin Jefferson things. 800, I'm going to go with an under, just like playing the odds a little bit. I don't think it's impossible by any stretch of the imagination to get 800, certainly within the cards. But I think I'm more so thinking like there are, this protects me against an injury outcome. This protects me against an outcome where he just takes a little bit to get on the field. Um, th this, I think, is just the safer option, but it's going to be like a 60-40 kind of thing. The next one is Makai Blackman, two and a half interceptions. Um, I'm slamming the under on that one. I don't know how much Makai Blackman even plays year one. And this is me kind of saying what I think I would do if I were the DB coach. And I'm not the DB coach, so... You know, maybe Durante Jones has a different plan. That's to, perfectly fine. 
Um, but what I see with him is a little bit too unrefined. And I don't think that he's going to get in enough. A three interception season for a rookie would be pretty nutso. Um, so I think this is a pretty easy under. Uh, Jay Ward, 200.5 defensive snaps. So just looking at the Vikings, um, Josh Metellus got 258, right? Like Kyrie's Tonga, 276. Um, a Caleb Evans, 162. So you're in that range for Jay Ward. I think he can clear that. I'm going to take an over on that one uh, and and actually feel pretty good. I don't I think that that's a, a low enough bar. He'll be like a rotational player, but I think that he I hey, I really like him. I actually am pretty into Jay Ward um, just from what I've been able to see on tape. I think he's pretty polished. I like the way he plays. You just kind of got to chill him out a little bit sometimes because he gets flags. Uh, but I think that can get him on the field. And I think in the Brian Flores defense, you know, everyone's going to get in at least that much. Um, I mean, that these are Ross Blacklock numbers like that's that's not asking too much. I don't think uh, Ivan Pace Jr. Three TFLs. That's a little bit harder. Um, I, I think, look, I just went over Ivan Pace's uh, Everyman series entry yesterday. So go listen to that. If I had to do a 53 man roster projection now, I would put him on it. But that's more of a Troy die Troy reader thing than it is an Ivan Pace thing in particular. And I don't know how much he actually gets in. This might be more of a special teams role for him right now. Um, he's not getting in over Asamoah and Jordan Hicks and stuff. So I'm going to take the under on TFLs in particular, uh, unless somebody gets hurt, of course, that kind of changes everything. But that would have to, that would be a, a break for him and for, for the over betters here on three TFLs. Uh, Andre Carter, two and a half sacks. So here's the thing with Andre Carter. I've been saying this for a long time. Um, this, ever since he got that big signing bonus, I think people have overreacted strongly to it. And I think people overreact a lot when there's a practice squad or there's a an undrafted guy that gets a lot of their like undrafted budget. Um, he his signing bonus was, uh, or he's he got like a bonus of, or he's gonna get like three hundred thousand dollars, right? That was the bonus that they gave him to to come in. And that reflects that there was a market. There must have been a really intense bidding war. So people really liked him. They didn't like him enough to draft him, but they liked him enough for that. So he's in the that priority free agent category. And I think people have anointed him with a roster spot for that in a way that they wouldn't anoint like a sixth round or a seventh round pick. Um, you know, once you're past like the fifth round, you got to fight for your roster spot. You got to make the team. And for Andre Carter, that is an uphill battle. You got to kick out Luigi Villan, DJ Wanham, Pat Jones. You got to kind of land like second among that group, not counting Daniel Hunter, Marcus Davenport, obviously. So fourth, if you count those two guys, you kind of got to land in the top four DNs and, and that's or outside linebackers, whatever you want to call it. That's a tall order for a guy whose body is just like not right and ready for football right now. And that's by his own, but that's just an army thing. That's not his fault. Right. Um, you're in the weight room. You're kind of bulking himself up because he doesn't have to actually slim back down for army anymore. Uh, I think is what the plan is for him, but that's something you can do in the scout team. And I don't think you need to stash him on the roster. If somebody wants to put them, that guy on the roster and essentially piss away a roster spot for an entire year, just to stash a guy who like maybe won't even work out once his body type changes, uh, then bless him, go for it. But I don't think that he makes the team. He'll start with like the fours. You got to come up. Like if we don't, if we see him playing in the fourth quarter of the last preseason game, I'm sorry, this dude ain't making the team. Uh, so I don't think he makes a team. So this is a pretty easy under for me. And then Jaquel and Roy, five and a half starts 
Okay, so starts are going to be interesting. I'm not going to give you starts as in he starts the first snap because that could just be a rotational thing. Sometimes second teamers come out for the first drive. Like that's not that crazy to imagine, but I'm going to give you more or if somebody starts the first drive, but then doesn't play for the rest of the game, they weren't really a starter. They were just a rotational player, but they were just like getting the first rep. Um, maybe there's something with a front that they wanted to do. That's like specifically tailored to his skill set, which is something Flores will do even with like deeper roster players or sometimes even practice squad call-ups. Um, five and a half starts, I think would require a someone to get hurt and B for Jaquel and Roy to be the next guy up in that case. Like if Harrison Phillips gets hurt, Kyrie's Tonga is playing nose, right? And then maybe he gets in over somebody like uh, Ross Blacklock or James Lynch or um, Jonathan Bullard. But like, that's a lot of guys to sift through. That's a really, really crowded DT room. And so finding a job that gets you six or more starts on the season, I think requires multiple injuries or for Jaquel and Roy to really exceed expectations. That's probably an under there as well. I, I guess I ended up being really pessimistic there, but I think some of those were just really, really high bars. I, re, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I like like Ivan Pace's chances to contribute to this team. I really loved, like, I love the Jordan Addison pick. Uh, 800 is like would be a really, really good outcome for him. And I super think it's possible. And I also think it would be fine if he falls a little bit short of that. If you gave me 600, I'd hit an over, you know, like I think it's close there, but stuff like, you know, Andre Carter getting a bunch of sacks coming in the game. Like even if he does make the team, he's not getting in more than as like a spell guy. So we're, I mean, this is, we're in like Jordan Brailford territory with that, where he would just have to like have the craziest game ever. And I just, I just don't think that dude's ready to play right now. He needs to get in the weight room. Um, even if he does make the 53 and get stashed all day, like he's not going to be active, I don't think. Uh, this is the, the guy's not ready for, for NFL play. And that's okay. That's, they, they brought him in. They, if, if you look at like the amount that he's going to make, like that's about a practice squad salary. So it kind of tells you, hey, you get a practice squad slot if nothing, right? Try to make the team. And if not, we're putting you in the weight room and, and we're just going to kind of hide you away there. Th- that's all great and fine and is kind of already uh, given, I guess. Moving on with this, there's a whole bunch more questions that I want to make sure I get to, but that was a very fun one. So thank you, Casey. Uh, Let's move on to the rest of these. But before I do that, hey, if you want to bet some of your own over-unders, you can go to FanDuel.com. For example, right now, there's a fun one at FanDuel. You can bet on the exact number of wins. So how many wins do you think the Vikings are going to get? Eight, nine, ten, whatever you think. Um, You can just bet on that. And you can get pretty good odds if you nail it. Of course, it's hard to get the exact number right. But this is where FanDuel is fantastic. If you have not signed up for FanDuel before and you want to, you can go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and you will get a no sweat first bet. That means if you whiff on that first bet, you can get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets. You know, maybe you thought Lakers in six, you know, maybe you thought that and you were, and that's okay and it's over and that's fine. Uh, But you would get, Bonus bets back if you whiff on that bet. Once again, you can go to fanduel.com slash locked on. The fanduel app is safe, secure, very easy to use, and you get paid out instantly when you win, which makes it all the more reason that you should go to fanduel.com slash locked on and get started. Fanduel, make every moment more official sports betting partner of the NBA. Thank you again for making Locked On Vikings your first listen of the day. A special shout out to my hashtag everydayers. Uh, let us move on 
with this Twitter Tuesday mailbag. If you want something a little more substantial, I did just post a Dwayne McBride video on my Patreon page. It's about a half hour of, of watching Dwayne McBride. I'm super jazzed on him. I Casey didn't have an over-under for him. I would have probably picked an over. I don't know. I actually think he can uh, climb up this depth chart and maybe be a dark horse for uh, more snaps. We'll see how it all goes down in camp, but I, I like the way that he plays a lot. I especially like the way that he blocks in the pass game, and I think that had a lot to do with why he didn't catch many passes at UAB. Anyways, let's move on to John's question, which is name one move that will significantly change the 2023 season. Does it count if I get to say trading Dalvin Cook away? Because <laughs> we're all kind of assuming that that's going to happen. Or how about not dra- trading Dalvin Cook away? Because we have all assumed so much that it's going to happen. Um, and it hasn't yet, right? Like, it's not over till it's over. And I, 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 I would imagine that maybe, you know, eventually if no trade partners come and maybe someone could come in with an offer or something like that still feels like, sure, it could be possible. I don't think anyone's expecting it, but anything's possible, right? Certainly stranger things have happened. Uh, that would significantly change the 2023 season. I think what you're looking for is like a free agent and I'm not going to, you can go to the like PFF free agency page and go decide who you like. Uh, but or, or the over-the-cap free agency page and decide who you like that's still out there. There's still interesting edge rushers. I mean, you could go get like a crazy Jadeveon Clowney. You could... Here's one. The Vikings could find a way to trade for Quinn and Williams. That would be a banging one to improve the DT room. Really, add, I mean, that competition is already really stiff um, in terms of like roster spots and there's a lot of roster pressure. You're probably cutting some good players, but that top end, I think, still needs uh, some work to be done. So... I think that would like really shore things up. It would make the run fits uh, really, really intense and just getting a little bit more beef up front. I think the, I, I, I love Kyrie's Tonga. I think he's a little inconsistent. I don't really have a great feel for Dean Lowry. I don't really know what to expect from him. And that's kind of your starters outside of Harrison Phillips, who's a total beast. Get another total beast in there, and I can feel really, really good at that room. So let's let's go for that. Although I don't think the Vikings are going to trade away twenty twenty four capital because I think they're really uh, dead set on getting a quarterback in the twenty twenty four draft, and that's probably going to require trading up unless everything goes super belly up this season, uh, which you know would kind of make everything a little bit more moot. Skull, and then a bunch of numbers says, how do you think a more boomer bust style defense will translate to winning more games? Okay, so if you think about this, the Vikings had just a bust defense last year. They literally busted coverages a whole bunch um, and, you know, gave up a ton of yards and it was all very soft and passive and it was very easy for offenses to move the ball on them, right? Assuming the offense repeats its performance, which is kind of a lot to ask. You know, you might not have Brian O'Neill for the start of the season with with the Achilles thing. I, I don't really know what to expect there. They're really optimistic, but I don't know. You know, see it. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, you know, no Dalvin Cook. You're replacing Adam Thielen with a rookie. You know, there's unknowns there. So generously, I'll say, assuming the offense gives you the same output as before. Um, every game was close, despite having a really bad defense. And... To me, that means, and there were some offensive duds in there for sure. Uh, and, you know, they're trying to fix their whole thing as well. They're they're actually making a decent change schematically too, or an adjustment, I guess. Um, so I guess the question has to be, how does this defense fare better than that one? And adding booms is better than not, and, and just like only getting shredded, right? Um, the defense, they had a couple of good days, but even those good days were sort of marred. Uh, by weird moments and bad streaks. I think you're going to have a lot of the same stuff, but if you think about randomness, like random, like 
if you have half good plays and half bad plays, right? They're not going to be 50-50 every game. You're going to have a game of all good plays and then a game of all bad plays and stuff. So you're going to have games where the defense just like explodes and just like kills the the other team. You just get to win that game. You didn't really get that last year. Um, and then you might have some games where the defense falls apart and the offense maybe can win those. Um, I think what I would expect less of is a game where the defense does really well, but the offense falls apart and then... You know, you don't, you, you can't get it like the old, the old Zimmer 16 to 19 kind of loss doesn't feel like what the Vikings are really headed toward. I mean, anything is possible. And of course there's, you know, other teams that maybe match up really well with the Vikings in some ways and don't match up well with them in other ways and, and can, uh, force it that way. But I think that's, that's gotta be the argument, but I will say, I, I don't know. I I've been pessimistic about this. I think this off season, I think the Vikings on the whole got worse from last year to this year. Um, they're lining themselves up to kind of set up for their next chapter. And I understand the strategies behind all that, but I think the 2023 roster is just not quite as talented. Um, unless, you know, young guys really, really step up in which case who baby, then we got a stew cooking. Uh, Chris says, what do you think drew Ivan pace to the Vikings more? The salary they offered or the state of their linebacker room? Good question. Uh, you'd have to ask him. Um, but I would have to imagine, you know, a little sum of both, right? Um, I'm sure he had a pretty decent bidding market, but uh, I think the idea of, hey, I can actually make this team is gonna, like, if you were thinking, if 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 all players were perfect log- logicians, is that logic people? Um, like, in an economic sense, the opportunity to make the team is more lucrative than any undrafted free agent money ever. If, like, if Andre Carter, who got, like, the most free agent money, um, makes the team, his paycheck, like, doubles like that 340k that's just the, what's guaranteed if he makes the team he gets like twice that so if ivan pace were just chasing a chance to make the team like financially that could be a prudent strategy um but uh, you know sometimes it's more personal than that too sometimes you're calling around it's who who did you like when you did the pre-draft you know what what which coach did you vibe with all that stuff can also be part of it um, I'm speaking in generalities here though. I don't know what it is for Ivan Pace specifically. You'd kind of have to ask him. Um, Skull Squatch says, which young player does the switch to a Brian Flores scheme help the most? Andrew Boost's aggressive play style seems like a great fit, but do his cover skills in college translate well to what will be asked of him? Um, yeah, aggressive press man is always good. I, I want a little bit of off man from him. I have no idea what to expect from Andrew Booth. Um, he kind of only played a little bit and he, and most of that was hurt and it was all very, very bad. So I'm like kind of concerned about Booth, but we'll see what he, what, what comes out of him in camp, right? We'll see what he, um, you know, what, what kind of tricks he has. I think scene is the one who, by the way, I should mention, uh, scene practicing in OTAs, which is awesome. Uh, we talked about it on the Minnesota football party with Sam Ekstrom. If there were any concern at all about scenes injury, not quite being ready, you could a hundred percent hold him out of OTAs. OTAs are totally a luxury thing. If there is any concern whatsoever, you could hold him out and they didn't. He had what looked like a shin brace or like a compression sleeve or something on. So there's still some precaution. He's not fully out of the woods, but the fact that he's participating in OTAs is a really good sign. Um, but with, with Brian Flores's defense, I think you can specialize him a lot. And I think a specialized scene is really, really good for him rather than having him do a little bit of everything, um, and you know, having everybody do a little bit of everything, like there's stuff that scene does really well, come downhill, play aggressive, um, hit people, 
And if you you just kind of ask him to do only the stuff he does the best, and that's sort of the point of the Flores defense. So specialized players like that, I think that could be really good for like a Makai Blackman as well, who I think is a lot better in certain contexts than others. Um, David Whitting asks, other than Smith or Hunter, who on our current defense will be in the ring of honor? Okay, so our current defense, probably one of the young guys, but we just don't know yet, right? I mean, look, they've got Scene, Booth, Blackman, Evans, Jay Ward. That's all the young DBs, right? Those are all first, second year guys. It's like six guys. Somebody here's got to hit, right? Just law of averages. Somebody's going to hit. So I'm going to say it's one of those guys, but we don't know who yet. Uh, I'll go off the wall. I'll say Brian Asimov. Who knows? I don't know. But that's the kind of call I think you have to make to answer this question. Because otherwise, in terms of like veterans, you've got Byron Murphy, you've got um, somebody like Cam Bynum and stuff, somebody like Marcus Davenport on a one-year deal. Like these guys don't really seem like, you know, long-time Viking Ring of Honor types. And that's okay, right? You know, sometimes your your team's got some mercs on it. Um, I want to keep going here. I've got a couple more questions that I want to make sure that I... Uh, can give the proper time to, so uh, we will keep it rolling. Moving on with this Twitter Tuesday episode of the Lockdown Vikings podcast. Thank you all so much for hanging out. Adistan asks, when will the Vikings trade for Chase Young? Uh, I don't think they're trading for Chase Young, man. And I don't know. It it really depends on the compensation because Chase Young at this point is a reclamation project. He's been hurt a lot. He hasn't. He's been really disappointing for the commanders. They didn't bring up his fifth-year option. That is a situation that is falling apart for a reason, and you might be buying into that reason. So if it were me, I would wait. I would see the the best strategy, if your goal is acquire Chase Young, I think the best strategy to do that is wait this year out, let him hit free agency and bid on him there. Um, Because if he's bad this year, you can probably get him without having to make the commanders feel better about trading away their second overall dude. Because right now you're kind of fighting with that. And it shouldn't be that way. That's a sunk cost thing. But it is a psychological thing that just affects people and it's going to affect markets. Um, So if you have to convince the commanders to give up on that guy, it's going to be more expensive in draft capital than it is, let's say, Chase Young has another injured season and he doesn't doesn't play well or whatever. Commanders say, all right, we're just going to let him go and see what comp pick we get. Now the commanders have no control over the compensation. It's just you and Chase Young in the bidding market. And if he plays poorly, that bidding market's probably really deflated. So you can get him at a much better price that way. Or if he plays well, he'll have a higher price, but then it's like probably worth it, right? So I would say uh, wait and bid. And um, probably so in terms of when, if, they, if you want them to acquire Chase Young, my answer is next offseason. Uh, anti-gravity says last week you allayed the concerns of the DL by stating they have so many rosterable players while Daniil and the rosterable players doesn't sound like a good band name. Uh, it does sound like a redux of the 2020 or 2021 DL plan is your defensive line deep. If the best thing you can say about the starters is they are rosterable. Okay. So the 2020 and 2021 D lines were crazy thin. You had DJ Wanham full on starter. Now we don't even know if DJ Wanham's going to make the team. Um, like you, you were one injury away from there was just nobody. You had like Everson Griffin's corpse, right? Um, and and even even that you only got so many games out of. So I think that's a way sorrier state at both the top and the bottom to compare it to. Um, I will say I do share your concerns on the interior that the top end leaves a little bit to be desired. But let's say you know Kyrie Stanga gets hurt. How much does that harm you versus when? 
you know, uh, Michael Pierce didn't make it on the field for 2020 because he opted out. That hurt the Vikings a lot more um, because they didn't have the depth to really withstand that. So, yeah, I I think that that's probably an ungenerous comparison. Um, But I do definitely share the concern that, hey, is Dean Lowry good enough to be like a penciled in starter? And hey, he might not even win the job, right? Like maybe Jaquel and Roy balls out. Maybe somebody we don't expect balls out, right? Um, Jonathan Bullard won that job last year. Like, who's to say, right? Uh, But when it comes to depth, yeah, if you're depth, if you have a a roster filled with only rosterable players, then I think your depth is okay. Um, You know, if if everybody's like a quality backup, that's awesome. But in terms of roster depth, I think a lot of 2020 and 2021, they were rostering unrosterable players. 2020, I think, was the the really bad Jaleel Johnson year. Jaleel Johnson shouldn't have made a team that year. He wasn't he was not good enough to make a team that year. And and then he didn't make a team. Um, I think he got cut from a couple teams, did some practice squad stuff. If I recall, uh, that was rough. Um, in this case, I think you're cutting players that should make a team. So you will have enough players that should make a team, right? Uh, there's like nine of them. Like you can't keep them all. That's a that's a much better place depth wise, but yeah, sure that the top end is. That's why I said you know Quinn and Williams before. Uh, Chip says Blake Brandell earned the backup spot over rookie Vidarian Low last year. Maybe he will do it again this year. So do you see an opportunity for Low to find a Viking career as a guard? Uh, so this is interesting. He has no experience at it, so good luck. Um, he has. Uh, 35 and 3 8 inch arms. Um, that is plenty long for a tackle. Most of the time when you see a tackle come in and do and, and turn into a guard, it is because their arms are a little short, shorter and tackle arm length is a lot more important because it increases the amount of space that you can cover. Um, as a guard, you don't need to cover a lot of space. It's in a phone booth. And so shorter arms can kind of be okay. And, Ezra Cleveland is basically just like a tall guard. Keep your pads low and get your leverage. And now you just, it's fine, right? Uh, That can work out totally fine. So tall guard can work out totally fine, but Cleveland moved to the inside and most people thought he should move to the inside. And there's been a lot of talk about like Ezra Cleveland wants to be a tackle, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if that's a report or if that's just like speculation. Cause of course, you know, he's up for a contract. He'd want to be considered at the more expensive position. Um, But I don't know if this is a comparable situation. I think Vidarian Lowe, if he's going to make this team, he's got to beat out Oli Udo and Blake Brandell. And it's okay if that doesn't happen. He's a six-round pick in his second year. These guys are definitely not anointed a roster spot, right? Um, they they stashed him on the on the team last year, and now it's kind of put up or shut up. You, you, you got to get out of the way and let real players make the roster. I don't think you can be OT5 again. Um, but he doesn't have to be OT5 again. Go beat Oli Udo, man. You can do it. <laughs> I don't know if moving in, him inside to guard is good. If anything, Oli Udo would move back inside to guard again, and we would try that and see if he can, you know, beat out Chris Reed or something like that. And maybe that's the way that he makes the team. But there is some roster pressure attack. It would be interesting to see how that shakes out. Uh, Jordan Russell, softball goat, asks, are you as down on the Bucks as everyone else? Uh, they still have a lot of good pieces, along with some competent coaches on offense, unlike last season. Yes, Baker is a downgrade from Brady, but I still think the Bucks can be competitive and should not be taken lightly. Every team shouldn't be taken lightly. I think we we do too much about like that team's a cupcake and, and you should you should beat them by 30. This isn't college. You know, there's no Alabama versus uh, like 
the Louisiana fighting Cajuns or raging Cajuns or whatever they are. Like that's a real team with some talented players. However, if I'm going to zoom out to my national, my locked on NFL lens, I'm not taking them seriously at all. They're like closer to starting Kyle Trask than you think. (laughs) I know they got Baker Mayfield. It'll be a competition. And we all kind of see Baker Mayfield as the better quarterback there. Uh, But if you if you hear the Bucks talk about it, they sure are high on Kyle Trask's ability. This might be the Kyle Trask year. I think they're lining themselves up to go for a quarterback in 2024, and I don't know how much they care about 2023. Uh, so I don't see them as like an NFC team to pay attention to. But like Week One Vikings versus Bucks, we're not looking past that one. No, no, no way in heck. Uh, Walters asks the final question I'll do today, which is, I know you've mentioned it on some podcasts before, but what are some good books to read about Vikings history or behind the scenes stuff? Uh, deeper dive into Vikings locker rooms. Okay. I've got a bunch of answers here. Most of them are behind me on YouTube. Here's one. Uh, I did it my way by Bud Grant. Rest his soul. There's also the toughest Chicano by uh, Joe Cap somewhere in here. A whole bunch of these are going to be player autobiographies. That's like a large portion of what I sourced the information for the history documentary from. Um, Carl Kosolke's autobiography is just called Kosolke. It's a little hard to find like an intact copy. The one I have is like drawn on and falling apart, but you can probably get one somewhere. Um, no room for Crybabies by Denny Green. Phenomenal. Uh, absolutely fascinating read because, uh, Denny Green was a messy guy. <laughs> uh, Viking for life by Scott Studwell. I found it to be okay. It's a little sterile. It's a little bit, uh, whitewashed, I guess. But it's one of the only perspectives I could find on players from the 80s, so it was helpful to me. Uh, Last Kings of the Old NFL by Pat Duncan is about the 1969 team. And then there's just some reference materials that can help you like learn sort of like what I would talk about in the Everyman series. This guy grew up here, went to high school here. This was his college thing. This is kind of the story of him, uh, which is 50 Greatest Players in Minnesota Vikings History by Robert Cohen. And then a, a really good one for just sort of the overview of the lore of the Vikings is a hundred things Vikings fans should know and do before they die by Mark Craig. Uh, that is like 80% of my little bookshelf here. Uh, Oh, I got Robert Smith's too. The rest of the iceberg, uh, by Robert Smith is, uh, weird. He's a very esoteric guy. His very interesting writing style. And it was a lot more about him than about like his time on the Vikings, which is you know fair. It's his autobiography, right? So I don't know if it'll give you what you want, but there's that too. Strongest Wreck goes to the Kosoki autobiography, if you can get it. That one is... uh, Carl Kosoki was a very personable guy, I think. I think his charisma comes through in the writing really, really well. And some of those stories are buck wild. Stuff was weird in the 70s. I'm just going to leave it at that. (laughs) I don't know what we're going to do on the show tomorrow, but I hope... You come by probably some Everman stuff, maybe some X's and O's. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about, I don't know, like Jaron Hall or something like that. We'll get into it. I will see y'all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.